today's episode, I had the pleasure of talking to Richard Woods about selling. I've had lots of questions recently about how can we sell our services in a crisis without feeling sleazy, and this is a real topic that I wanted to get into. Richard's had years of experience, he's very good at selling, um, but also he's sold all sorts of things across all different mediums, whether in person, online, over the phone, he's very versatile. But what makes him different is he's a very, he's a huge community man, very strong family man and very popular. So I wanted to get him his take on what to do because this is all something we're going to struggle with and I love the way he approaches it and his kind of philosophy for, you know, this is selling, yes, in a crisis, but this is kind of his approach to sales in life. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. I always enjoy talking to him. And if you've got any questions for me or Richard, please send a message to thad at thadducation.com. Enjoy. Hello, Rich. Good morning. Fantastic. Uh, so I've got, had the pleasure of Richard Woods joining me on this latest episode of the podcast. And I will be doing, well, I've already done a deep dive with Rich all about his background and the art of sales, which I will be publishing soon. But I thought, as this is, you know, a fairly unusual time, uh, and I don't know many people better than Richard Woods when it comes to selling, I wanted to get him on to kind of tell us about him and what's he up to. And um, really, the, the big topic for today's discussion is how do I sell myself in a crisis? Okay. Where do you want to start? Okay, so a brief uh, overview about you. For those of you who might, you know, who might not know Rich, just a very, very brief overview about your kind of history in sales and kind of why you love it. And uh, and that's it, really. Just to, get, just to sort of put a bit of context on kind of like who you are and then obviously okay. people appreciate, uh, you know, your experience and what you bring to the table with regards to this. Okay, so if you're listening to me for the first time, hello, um, Richard Woods. Uh, my, my passion has is, been is sales all my life. Uh, ever since the age of uh, eight, nine years old, selling flowers at uh, the bottom of the driveway, right the way through now to currently sat as a sales and marketing director for a communication company. Um, I also sit across other companies such as uh, a racing driver um, and also an events company as commercial directors. Um, and I manage a team of salespeople um, in one of the roles that I cover back at the communication company. So for me, um, sales has been all, you know, if you cut me in half, I'm a salesperson, irrespective of what my job title says. Um, and for me, my passion in life is uh, matching the right products and services to the right people um, and the sense of satisfaction, knowing that both parties come away from it very happy. I think what you're not really telling the full story there, Rich, is obviously when you were younger, you were bitten by a salesman and a bit like Spider-Man, you became like a sales superhero. That's the real story <laughs> I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think you know um having watched <laughs> I, i'm not sure i can go for the liker outfit but um having uh watched um someone very close to me do very well and almost sell to survive at times um i learned some very good techniques and i think what we're facing right now in front of us is the sell to survive moment i think there's so many great people out there sharing advice um, I wonder how many of them uh, have actually had to sell to survive. Um, well, we've been in that situation back when I was 14 years, in fact, probably 12 years old, where um, there was no money coming in and the products that we were selling at the time, we'd gone six weeks without making a sale and my family had to gamble 
some money that they come in for tax credits for children to pay for the food and clothes for my sister and I um, into paying the bills for the business and and the gamble worked and we ended up selling and, and we survived so in fact we didn't just survive we went on to flourish so I think you know I come at this from a far different angle to a lot of other people there's people out there that believe to be a salesperson you can wake up um, and you can apply for a job and with a little bit of training you can be a salesperson and to some extent, I do agree with that. Um, hence, um, my simple steps to selling course. I think I'm able to prove that you can train people to be sales people. Yeah. Um, however, um, there's still that inner drive, uh, dedication, the want, the will, um, the passion. It's it's a bit a bit like what makes um, someone very successful at rugby. If you think about um, the best kickers in the world for England rugby. And they are the guys that are the last ones off the pitch. The Johnny Wilkinson story, Building Jerusalem, he talked very much about he was the guy that was the last one on the bus as they set off to go and play in the tournament because he was still putting a ball down on the tee and kicking between the posts as everybody was sat jovially on the bus waiting to go. He was also the guy that would sit... Um, and sorry, you'd be out on the pitch all given days and hours. And I was fortunate also to have lunch with Sam War- or dinner with Sam Warburton. And he used to talk about the fact he wouldn't go into the posh gyms. For him, it was all about the grit, the determination, the rusty weights, the cold lockup that was his gym, um, which set him up for, for life and being a successful international rugby player. And rugby is one of my passions. And um, for me, I, I take from those sports people, what is it going to be for me to be successful? How can I emulate some of the stuff that these guys have already done and people before them? And so it's constant learning, it's constant developing, it's having the hunger, the determination, uh, finding opportunities where opportunities weren't really there, digging around, understanding your client, building those relationships, everything that gives me the passion still today. Um, it's the same thing that drove me, well, 30 years ago. And so that's the thing, like you say, it's kind of, um, you've got to be passionate about selling, which I think is important. But I'm, for me, it's one of those things, I think, uh, particularly for the audience of sort of creative people, they're not that passionate about selling. And I think in an ideal world, we would probably like either for someone to deal with it for us or to have the, you know, the jobs coming to us. And, but I also know that it's one of those things that you need to be getting regular inquiries to build up your confidence, to get better at yep. selling, you know, it's, yep. it's kind of vicious circle. And I think particularly this is where in this kind of, uh, you know, situation you've got, you know, got this sort of virus kicking around. There is always the problem of a lot of people will work remotely, which is to your advantage, but also you are probably at the end of a supply chain and what is coming down the chain is basically no money because slowly as it's kicking in, they're having to sort of stop businesses or conserve resources. Mm-hmm. And so the challenge is, you know, it's okay now, but in a few months, because you're on that lag again, it, when it all starts up, you're going to, there will be a delay as they try and get everything else in place. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really interesting. And that's what I wanted to bring you on because I want to know things like, what well, what can you do? And then kind of what's the best the best approach because i've seen so much where people are saying and i would be one of the people to say look building relationships now is is really important for when things recover 
but you mm -hmm. can't, you know, I, I was speaking to another guy who we both know and he was saying he's really busy, but he's really skint because he's helping people for free. And there is a point of you've got to get make money somehow. So I want yeah. to know, well, what is it? Is it, do I pivot to a new industry? Do I change my tactics? Do I develop a new product? What, what would you say? Okay, so the first thing to do is to mentally get your head straight. Um, mm -hmm. That's the best bit of advice I can give you is the first action. Because out there right now, there's a sense of panic, a sense of worry. Uh, people are highly stressed. It's going to be tough, but you've got to get your head straight first before you can move, move forward. Um, and following that, then you need to come up with a plan. Now, all the plans that you've done for 2020, you need to tear them up. They're not effective anymore. As soon as the government announced the lockdown period um, in the UK, that was it. It was game, set, match for your plans for this year. You need to be uh, back taking this time to evaluate um, what it is that's gone well so far. And don't forget, we are a couple of weeks through the process at the moment as we as we speak today. And there will still be people doing business out there and there will still be people interacting. And if you're not, then you need to sit down and you need to formulate that plan of what it is that's going to help you. So you need to take a look at what your offerings are. Um, and you also need to take a look at how can you diversify some of your offerings. Now, there is um, a lot of uh, gin-based companies that have gone into hand sanitizing through this crisis. That's a good, innovative way of thinking. So if you could contemplate one part of your business without changing all that you do, is there one part of your business that you could make a small change in for a short period of time that will allow you to tap into any available markets that's out there at the moment? Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So as you say, it's kind of, um, I would also like to point, because people who aren't that practical, who maybe didn't make a plan for 2020, this is a good chance to kind of, it, it, yeah, it's a bit, it's um, a bit like uh, there's the pit, car, the pit car is going around the race. I was near the back, but now we're all at the front. So now yeah. if you're going to make a plan, this is probably a good time to do it because it's leveled everything for everyone. And it so is. It, it is that thing of like, say, probably looking at what the resources are that you have available objectively and going, could I repurpose them in another way? And I wanted to just reference the point that I was talking to. Um, I actually talked to this person years ago about innovating in their business, but I gave, they were running a restaurant and I gave the example that out of season, I would turn the dining room into a classroom. And I would spend all that time and I would utilize the, you know, the chefs I had available because he, his thing was he wanted to keep his chefs on during the winter, mm -hmm. um, but they weren't busy in the week. So I said, well, in the week, you've got that big space. You should turn that into a classroom and a recording studio and you should be filming content for the following year and doing cooking schools and teaching people online. So actually you're using up your talent and your resources and then offering a delivery service to get rid of all the food you're cooking. And then that way you can kind of be still ticking over. And I think that's the kind of approach where you would look at your business and perhaps your facilities and say, well, who needs space? Who needs what I offer? Can I adjust what I do? And like I say, it's, it's, it's a way of just, you don't have to change everything. You just have to look a little bit more objectively about what you have at your disposal. Yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't take the restaurant and turn it into a retail outlet and start selling shoes or jumpers you no. know or umbrellas in the winter you take the restaurant as you said and you adapt it for thinking slightly more to the left or to the right of where you are um, i was talking about plans just now the one thing i would also talk about is setting up um not not six month plans not even quarterly plans in fact not even monthly plans i'd be working on a day and a week
Yeah. Um, so you need to be looking down a week because the world's moving very fast. And you've also got to be looking day to day because as we get different bits of information through, um, it may be that what you decided on Friday last week, and if today was Tuesday, then you would be completely out of date. That's the pace that you move at in a crisis. And the other thing I would do is set up a war room. Um, back in the old days, as they used to say, they congregated everybody into the war room. Um, and if you're on your own, you could still have a war room. And what you do is you pin up a great big board and you put your objective in the middle. You have a look at what your competition are doing. You have a look at what the marketplace is doing. And you look to see whether you can strike your attack ahead of anybody else. Um, because actually, that's one way in which, you know, you can visually see what's going on uh, in your business. So I would, I would put your objective in the middle of a great big board. And I would be that looking to put your plans around the outside, start almost a bit like a, um, it's called the buying cycle, the buying circle where you've got rings that lead to a point of which they purchase. And uh, right now, your clients may be on the outer ring, and there might be three rings or five rings around your center point. But wherever your clients are, what you've got to be looking at is how can you guide them all the way to the center, and how quick can you move them to the center? Because if they get to the center, boom, you've got yourself some business. Um, and it's all the activities around that. So it may be utilizing a different marketing plan, utilizing a different product, re-strategizing where you can go with all of this that will allow you to get to the center way quicker. Okay. And so would you so is it very much like you might be looking to see which industries are doing well? I mean, obviously there's going to be a bit of a sprint to reach those industries, but if you you know, they're, they're, like you say, there are some businesses that, that have innovated and because of the times they are in demand. How mm-hmm. would I go about researching businesses that are doing well in a pandemic? Um, so, again, I, I'd be just out there on the Internet. I'd be out there looking at market trends, watching the news, reading up on the, the latest blogs that are out there in terms of depending on what sectors you're working in. Um, I'd also be trying to understand with your current market where the pain points are now. Um, so go back to your existing clients and have an honest conversation with them. So look, when I was working with you beforehand, we were looking at launching a product or a service in, in October. Um, that was your goal. That was your ambition. And we were working up to that. But what is your ambition now? Where is your goal? What's, your, what's changed in your plan? And see whether you can uncover from existing businesses um, some additional support, but also from... Um, then tapping in saying, well, okay, if, if my client is X client, what's their competition doing? And should I be talking to them and accruing another one? Okay. The one thing I would caveat that with is just be careful because you could be working in industries where um, they're also dying and collapsing as well. Um, and actually researching a competition to where you're already working may not get you a long-term gain because like your current client, they may also be struggling too. Um, I, I, the, the way I would suggest is get the activity up, get the plan in place, um, get a clear mindset, um, and then make a focus point of going and seeing if you can achieve one small thing to start with, whatever that goal is. Get the satisfaction that you've got that one new bit of business. Okay, now how do I find another one and then another one? And smarten up um, what your approach, and, and obviously tweak it as you go along. Yes, I think that's that's really valid. Like you say, you don't want to go make the mistake of going after an industry that 
uh, might be struggling in a crisis. So, you know, there is... Some, there's very few hand sanitizing companies that need support right now in yes. terms of marketing their business. Um, you know, the, the, you've got to you've got to think out there. Okay, what is the problem today, and what will the problem be in a month's time, two months' time, and three months' time? And what you've got to look at is how can I solve today's problem, and how can I plan for the one next month and the one after. So that's quite um, hard, isn't it? Because obviously, you know, if we knew the future, we'd be a, we'd be a lot more organised. Is there things that? So I'd always recommend to people joining LinkedIn groups and Facebook groups of your target audience, just to sort of read what they're talking about and, and yeah. asking them questions. Is especially if we're all stuck at home, and it's quite mm-hmm. time consuming to jump on a call. I, I agree totally with current clients. Just phoning up and saying, "Look, how, what can I do to help you, or how can I serve you better?" is really valid. Um, I think it's a really good approach to be objective about okay what industries are thriving but then as you said some don't actually need help with marketing branding creative stuff because they're they're in demand regardless and it's also Mm -hmm. important not to sort of jump on into industries which you kind of think you are interested in but are going to be struggling in this if i'm picking an industry so if i was off top of my head if i was thinking right okay what businesses are thriving i might go right delivery businesses i might think okay so delivery so anything a start and startups probably because they're always looking to kind of take advantage and, de- and you know develop apps and stuff based on what is popular within culture. But if I said, right, I'm going to look at delivery businesses and I'm going to see if I can kind of help with that because everyone is, there's so many things being delivered nowadays. So there might be some delivery businesses I could help. What- I'd also be thinking about taxi companies as well. Taxi, um, do you say? Because, yeah, taxi companies, because these people are not, traveling anymore or shouldn't be traveling around as much as they were but a lot of let's just take the restaurant now that's turned into a delivery company yeah won't have the infrastructure to go out and deliver the food yet people people can't come and collect it anymore um or, or they can do a takeaway service but they can't come into the restaurant to sit and eat yeah so i would be kind of trying to come up with a strategy where taxi drivers can make themselves for example approachable to restaurants in the area yeah and then pair them up together hi rich hello yeah sorry you got a bit garbled there so what i'll do is i'll stitch this together in the edit but we were just saying you just to recap i was asking about like approaching uh potential companies that you know are doing quite well and i said maybe a delivery business because everyone's stuck at home and i really like your suggestion of um going to say a taxi company and partnering a business that needs delivery with a delivery business so taxis and restaurants trying to do something to put them together mm-hmm. um that that's a really i really love that opportunity and i love that thinking of what are the businesses that need each other and can i be a matchmaker to bring them together yeah so i think it's important in this time that you become popular um and not necessarily in it for your win today but you're in it to make other people's lives better so let me go back to that analogy. You've got a restaurant owner that would normally on a Friday and Saturday night and on a Sunday be full. Yeah. And you've got a taxi driver that on a Saturday night come 10, 11 o'clock would be taking the people home. But actually, um, that scenario cannot play out at the moment. So why not approach taxi companies, approach restaurant companies and put a, a package together where you can market the taxi company to the restaurant company and then market the restaurant company to Joe Public that says you stay at home, you isolate, we'll come to you. Um, and it's been all in one package then. So, for example, I make this up, but 
you know, four Sunday lunches uh, delivered to your door for fifty pounds. Yeah. Normally it'd be tenner each for the Sunday lunch and the taxi is a tenner. But they wrap it up as a package. So the Joe public that sat at home that's very anxious and worried about going out in their car in case the police pull them over, is it an essential journey? All the fear factor that's out there at the moment gets taken away. And actually, do you know what? We would have gone out today. We'd have spent at least 10 quid on the drinks. So yeah. actually, I can warrant 50 quid and I could have that delivered to my door. Restaurant makes their 40 pound. The taxi driver don't a 10 pound fee. Everybody's happy. Yeah, that's lovely. I, I think that's, I mean, that is, like I said, the way your brain is working is, I mean, I've known you for many years and you're very good at putting together people who can do business. Um, and I think I, I really like that approach because it is, because I think when I first started this, wanting to get you on, it was always the thing of how can I approach a business and try and sell to them? And that's always the kind of like, oh, you know, I don't want to so, add to their pressure. But what you're saying is I'm just putting together people that can help each other. So it's mutually beneficial. Solve then, the problem. You know, yeah. Solve the problem. What is the problem? The problem is the taxi driver doesn't have a round today because I have he's lost my round today because I've decided to stay at home. The restaurant's problem is I'm not selling any food. So, okay, how do we sell the food and how can I get the taxi driver then to earn some money? And therefore, the problem is, um, you know, you're in that scenario where you've now become their friend. You, if you were in the creative world, you'd wrap this up in a very nice presentation that would um, show a lovely story of two businesses coming together to support someone. And one thing I've noticed also is that there's lots of people celebrating events at the minute sat on their own. And there's nothing special about their birthdays. It passes today. Or as we had Mother's Day a few weeks ago. So why not then come up with the, the thought of, you know, we'll bring the steak dinner to you um, and you can still have that event, that celebration, and no one has to cook. So that's, again, where I'd be trying to, to market that out. So if I were someone in creative world, I'd be coming up with a, some design, some concept, and I would then be, uh, dare I say, which may be a strange thing to do, I don't know, but picking up the phone. And I'd be talking to the taxi drivers and I'd be talking to the restaurant saying, I've got a great idea. This is because interesting. What... I love this. Sorry, I, sorry to cut you off. But yes, I totally agree because you could do, I would do all the marketing promotion. I'd want to do themed Zoom parties for families where like you're delivering roasts and everyone's, and you're giving people ideas yeah. to make their Zoom calls more interesting. Yeah. You're kind of doing a website where you can almost like, it's, it's very like Just Eat, but it's kind of like owned by, the pub and it's like pick your order pick your taxi and we'll organize it all for you correct and then like what i also love which is this is coming down to your you know your your specialism which is obviously picking up the phone we totally can do that in a pandemic there's nothing stopping that at all people well, are probably where, happy where, to where are everybody someone. where are everybody at the minute everybody's at home or yeah. sat in a business with not a lot to do so actually if we're smart about this look one thing i've learned is Price is very important, and I'll talk about price in a moment. Price is very important in any element at any time in business. But what actually, two things I think can affect how much people charge for things is creativity and return of investment. If I've come up with a really good idea, it doesn't matter what it costs, providing that the return on investment's there. So if I was sat in my creative world now, and I come up with the idea uh, of making an app, designing a flyer, doing a Facebook campaign, creating a video, whatever that looked like, branded up as new package. Um, 
I could then almost um, clone it and, and run it across different companies and go, I've got an idea here for you. I'm going to build you a website. This website will have within it um, your menu and then it'll have a taxi calculator. Um, and we'll do it on mileage and we'll go on £2 a mile and you know you can then click order and book your food. Uh, it all comes to one. The taxi driver gets a notification. The restaurant gets a notification. The taxi then accepts it, goes, collects it, and delivers it to the house. Joe Public, in the meantime, has got a fantastic service. And guess what? When this is all over, instead of relying on simply um, the usual forms of takeaway, shall we say, which atypically would be your fish and chips, your Chinese, your Indian food, etc., we've now opened up a whole new market to takeaway food. Because actually I can go and have the Mexican chicken that I would have had down at the restaurant on a Saturday night sat at home. And yeah. actually diversifying that business will will hopefully increase turnover after the event because all their clients will still come back whilst others will still choose to use the delivery service. No, I think it's amazing. It's funny, I was talking to a chef yesterday and he's um, from Cornwall. He works in London. He's, him, he's come down here to be with his family. Uh, and I firstly told him that he shouldn't be bringing the virus from London and scolded him. But after we got past that, I did say that, um, you know, if you're a chef, like he's he was just about to launch like an events company. Like mm-hmm. we, I did all the branding for him and everything. And he's kind of he was very positive because he said, look, if I'd launched this six months ago with all my money, I'd be dead now. But luckily, I've managed to I can like pause the launch and we, we've kept all our deposits. So it was great. But I was sort of saying to him, well, look. If you look at, say, someone like Jamie Oliver, like he built his empire off TV shows, showing people how to cook, and then mm-hmm. books, and then it became recipes, and then restaurants. And now he'll still retain a lot of his wealth because he's got the books and the TV shows. And I was like, well, look, the best way to publicize your business is to take your 12 most popular recipes and cook one a week for the next 12 weeks, and you can put that out there. But do it so people can join in. So on Monday, you can tell them what you're going to be cooking, and you give them the ingredients list. Then you cook it on, say, Wednesday. Uh, maybe you interview a supplier one of those days. And on Friday, you do a Q&A where people can ask you questions. If you did that for all of your recipes, by the end of it, you'll have so much great content to promote your business. But also, you can build an email list. And now you're making money not only by partnering with suppliers, by saying, look, if you want to get all the ingredients from this supplier and you click this link, you get a discount if you put my name in. Therefore, the suppliers are getting business by working with the chefs who are cooking meals for people at home and he's making money working with suppliers and getting kickbacks and he's building his own brand which will in turn fuel his business and he's doing all of this without a restaurant without any facilities mm-hmm. and it's this thing of as you said before it's you're he's looking at well i'm a chef with talent people at home are struggling to work out what do i want to cook and suppliers need people to order their food so the conduit is actually the chef who goes to youtube and partners with the suppliers it's mutually beneficial for everyone. I think this is the kind of thing of, I came into this conversation completely thinking it's all about how do I sell myself to a business? And that feels instinctively uncomfortable. But what you've taught me is it's not about that. It's about finding the problem, putting people together and finding a role for yourself. And maybe your role is just introducing people. But do you know what? The the one thing I've learned in business and you know, you know me long enough. I, I, I always use a, a particular hashtag whenever I post on LinkedIn and that's together stronger. Um, and I think that there's so many situations where uh, if you go out on your own, you are one person. 
and you're one person taking on the world. You're not even a fish in a pond. You, you know, you haven't even really, you're not really in the pond, as, as Alan Sugar once quoted to a guy on The Apprentice. Um, you are, you're a nothing person, but you're really trying to have a go. Yeah. Actually, if you go and, you know, pull in your friends, your contacts, your, if you start collaborating, you start working with people, you start building relationships, you become the pivot in the room. You become the go-to person. And therefore, when anybody then needs something, they'll say, ask Richard. So instantly, the leads will come to you. You can filter them. You can then understand whether there's something there for you first. Um, but also, what can you offer other people? So if you make yourself the most important person in the room, metaphorically speaking, yeah, um, then effectively, you will have people come to you and go, I need this. Now, if you can't help them with it yourself, so it could be that I need a salesperson and you're not a salesperson, you don't own a, a company for the salespeople, but you knew a company that did, and take it, for example, you came to me, I would think, what a really good person. In fact, I would then go out of my way to then give you something back. And this has actually worked out in our relationship because I helped you many years ago on a on purchasing a car um, back when I was in the financial world. Um, I then came to you and said, I need some help with this. You said yes. Then ultimately you wanted um, you wanted to grow a concept. I said, I've got somebody I think that can help you. You said, thank you. In return for that, I didn't want paying. You then have given me your help and support, which then helps to elevate me. I then give you more help. And it goes on and on and on. Um, because it's about how do we leverage each other. The best advocates out there are not yourself. They're what other people are saying about you. And if you make yourself um, integral into people's working lives, um, then you will do very well. And we all know a guy called David Brock down in Cornwall. Um, David Brock set up a, with myself and two other guys, uh, we set up a small networking group, which now is franchising massively across the southwest and certainly Isle of Wight and moving its way up towards London. But I can tell you every day that guy probably gets 40 or 50 requests. Do you know someone that does this? Do you know someone that does that? And he's actually made himself the most important person in business across Cornwall, um, which gives him the opportunity. If, if it's a new business coming to him saying, do you know a creative person? He'll say, yeah, but I'll tell you what, why don't you join my network and I'll get you more, more help and support. So he wins from that by gaining more, more business for himself, but he's also feeding other people within his network. It's true. And they, it is, so it's, they will then send more people back to him. So if another person who's not in his network says, hey, what, what's, where's good to network? The first thing they're going to say, you need to speak to David Brock. And he wins every time. No, it's very true. And like you say, it's kind of... Um... It's this thing of you're building relationships, but you're doing it in a way that's helping people. Because I think it's, I, 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 that's always been my concern is, is you, it, when you're always offering to help, but you're not getting paid. And this was always like my slight hesitation. I mean, I believe it's important to say, uh, start, you know, a community and be giving away what you know for free. But I'm also aware that that's a huge ask and undertaking for that person to be giving away lots of free knowledge every week in the Zoom group and then expect people to pay. There's no guarantee they will. And yet charging for them seems inappropriate as well. But I love your kind of, your idea of actually, 
you're you're putting people together. So you're solving the problem by bringing people together. So you are building relationships and you're asking, how can I help you? Mm-hmm. But as you say, it's kind of like, well, if I ask enough people, I can probably put enough people together. And that in itself, you're kind of, you're sowing the seeds. So in the future, people will be, you know, will have a lot of sort of fondness for you and what you've done for them. And then you could always not call in those favours, but they're certainly going to be a lot more receptive if you need a favor or you need a help or you need a referral or something. Um, yeah. And I think that's certainly true. Like you said, if I need something and I mm-hmm. ask Brock, he's very good at, at helping me and he's got, and he's so well connected. Um, it makes it, like I said, it's, 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 you would go to him because he's the one who knows everyone else and he amplifies your but, message. But actually you talked about earlier on email lists um, by creating some fantastic content. You don't need to be owning a networking organization to be the most important person um, and it goes down to me in a crisis it goes back down to the brand what the brand stands for um, and you know what if you if you've made yourself the go-to guy for i'll give my example if someone came to me and said look richard i know you're really good at selling i'm struggling where can you help me the first thing i wouldn't do is go well i tell you what for x amount of pounds an hour i'll do it for you i say well let me show you how I do it. And then if you still have problems, come back and give me a shout and let me see if I can help you another way afterwards. So it's not always about the take, take. I mean, I've been over the last week or two reading up different things about how to sell in crisis. And um, somebody uh, quoted on the internet that um, what you should be doing is um, close quicker at this time. Um, So, you know, they're saying actually, because every day there's different news coming out, you know, 10, 12 days ago, we find out that the Prime Minister has got coronavirus um, and yesterday he gets admitted to hospital. If The news has forgotten about all the other people that have got coronavirus now. It's all focused on Boris, which then the question then is, well, what happens if the world goes into nuclear meltdown? Who's going to push the button? So every day we're being fed all this disaster news in a crisis. You know, they're then uttering words such as recession, depression. So Somebody um, on long line I was reading about said, what you should be doing is trying to close the pound quicker because you don't know what other bad news is going to be out there next week or the week after. And actually, I think slightly different to that. I think it's not about closing the pound quicker. It's about making yourself more available to support. Um, and sometimes that's got to be on a basis of either a deferred payment um, or a little bit of free support because I... The one thing I've been saying a lot of the last couple of weeks, uh, today's actions will determine tomorrow's future. Yes, and I think that's a really nice point because it is, like I say, it's it's things we can be doing. And I think sometimes that taking a bit of control or finding a bit of control when it's a bit chaotic is is really important. So, no, I, I love that sentiment. And I think it's um it's a lovely one to finish on. I mean, so for those, so just to sort of recap, as you said, it's kind of all about, get your war room as in like you're going to go okay so what do i want to achieve kind of this week because we can't plan too far into the future because it's overwhelming and it might change so if we take it weekly i think that's a really good sort of structure also also don't forget that a little bit of daily daily goals as well so take the time to make the plan and tick that off as one of your goals today yeah but also adjust your plan you know be open to adjust it tomorrow um I, I think it's important. And not to forget, it, it's very hard and over podcast because I'm a visual guy, but uh, draw a big sort of circle in the middle of a board, put your main objective in that circle, 
then draw circles around it. Keep going out and out and out. You might go out three, you might go out five, you might go out even more. But consider your customer journey, what's going to get them to that point. And every time you think of a scenario, draw a circle for it outside of the main core uh, circle and then work out how you can move them closer to that center uh, more efficiently. It doesn't mean quicker, but it means efficiently. Okay. And then probably, as you said, overall, we're all going to have to slightly pivot what we do. And I think uh, if you do approach a client and you're looking to serve them, I think that they're not going to worry that you say haven't served their industry or their niche before because they're going to say, well, if you've got years of experience and a track record of success and you can help, I think that's going to you know, bypass all of that. And then it's yeah, all... that goes back to that analogy of the local gin guy can make alcohol to 100%. Mm. Um, actually, um, you need it to be at 65% to make a hand sanitizer, so they say. So, therefore, if you can adapt your service, it doesn't matter if you've not made hand sanitizer before, but be able to adapt and change. But don't change the whole of your business. Just take one part of it and just see if you can adapt that to start with. And then it's probably just about drawing up a list of people and businesses that need help uh, or who yep. or or the other thing of like they're they're kind of thriving and maybe they need like say so it's not they say marketing it might be infrastructure or partnerships with other people and like say look at coming up with solutions that solve problems for those people and introduce people and put them together because as you say if we go back to the kind of taxi delivery restaurant thing i think that both businesses would happily share the cost of of you to make that happen and within mm-hmm. you coming up with the idea and saying, I can make this happen, they're going to, you know, they're going to share the cost of you doing it. You're going to find work for yourself. And then that's a case study to take to other people. It kind of expands and expands. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I think that's a really good approach. So it is, like you say, before I would have probably said, look at industries that are thriving and see if you can help because they may be overwhelmed. But I think yeah. actually you're looking at saying, you know, let's put people together. So maybe one that is overwhelmed and one that's underwhelmed so they can complement each other. And then yeah. be, be the I know. You know, um, come with that solution and uh, be the one who's sort of helping people, connecting people and building relationships while finding work for yourself indirectly. Yeah, um, there's a guy that works in radio. Um, his name was Mike Bursing and he brought out something called Creative Lead Cell. Um, and it was something that I really took to heart when I read his book. Um, and what he talked about there, which was exactly what you've just summarized, is it's not about going in with the price. It's going in with an idea. The price will follow. But if the idea is strong enough, creative enough, innovative enough, then people will buy into the idea. Um, and that will help you when trying to structure um, your business into new markets. So just come up with that wow factor that... Uh, and we go back to our taxi restaurant idea is there's two companies. What's the wow factor that you can put into that, that they haven't really thought about. And so, I mean, I, I love all of this and I know that we've got future plan, future chats planned. If people want to mm-hmm. uh, follow you and see what you're up to, because obviously I think you yourself, um, you are living this and doing it. You've set up the sort of Corona collaboration. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, yourself, you're, you're a real leader and inspiration when it comes to doing this stuff. What's the best way to follow you and stay up to date with what you're up to? Um, so a couple of different ways. Yes, you just touched on. I've, I've set a page up called Corona Collaboration. As you can see, collaborating is at the heart of what I do, as I've explained over this conversation. 
Um, and that's a page where business to business or people to people, it doesn't matter. Uh, you can put up there what you want or need and also how you can help and solve. Um, so there will be people saying, I just need a prescription collecting. I live at this place. Someone might say, well, I can help you with that. There might also be a business going, I need a designer. I've got a great idea, but I need a designer. Um, so you can follow it through there. Um, you can follow me on Facebook. It's Woods RGJ. That's Woods RGJ. Um, and also I'm on LinkedIn, which is uh, where I post a lot of content. On Amazing. There. Well, thank you, Rich. I really appreciate your time. Uh, I'm sure you, you've got to go no back to sort of helping people. But um, we'll do this again soon. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so thank you yeah. very much. Have a great day. Thank you. So I hope you enjoyed the show. It's always a pleasure talking to Richard Woods. I love his attitude. I love his passion. And I think there were some really actionable tips that we could all learn from and actually start to implement over the next week or so. As always, if you have any questions, please send them to me. The best way to reach me is probably to send me an email, thad at thadeducation.com or you can DM me at Thadeducation on Instagram. Or alternatively, if you search Facebook for Thadeducation, you can join the group and I'm quite active in there as well. If you have any questions, then you can leave me a voicemail at my anchor address, which is anchor.fm forward slash Thadeducation forward slash message. That's anchor.fm forward slash education forward slash message. And you can leave me a voicemail and I'll answer on the show. As always, thank you for listening. And please share the podcast with anyone you think would find it valuable. I'm looking to really give back and support people through this difficult time. And it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and share and rate the podcast on iTunes. Thank you very much. Have a great week.